If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is the Bulletproof Entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneur. Here's your host, Chi Odogu. This episode is brought to you by Odogu.com, where you need to find high-quality leads from Facebook and Instagram. There's only one name to call and one man to trust. That's O-D-O-G-W-U.com, the growth marketing guy. If you love today's episode, please feel free to go on iTunes and like the show and leave a review and a comment in iTunes. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I have a great guest today. I'm talking to Peggy Caruso. Peggy is an executive and personal development coach. She's an eight-time entrepreneur and the author of a new book titled Revolutionize Your Corporate Life, A Simple Guide to Leadership, Balance, and Success in Your Business. She's founded several companies and run them as an operator. So she's here to tell us a little bit about her entrepreneurial journey and then her transition into working with people in the corporate world, helping them, you know, deal with their problems, helping them balance their work and life and finding success. And so without further ado, Peggy, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Great. So Peggy, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got on this path to entrepreneurship and then how you eventually landed as a executive coach. Okay, I've had eight businesses. Um, I've had several restaurants and real estate. And um, I got into coaching because I love helping people. And I felt like I had a talent for that. I got into the executive end because I am so entrepreneurial. But when I got into it, I realized how much the executive and the personal go hand in hand. So I entered on to do personal coaching as well. So I have uh, clients as young as six and as old as 60. Um, so it's, it's very rewarding. I'm also an author. And as you stated, uh, my new book was released, Revolutionize Your Corporate Life. It's the third in my series. I had um, my, my revolutionized series trademarked. So I have revolutionized your life, revolutionized your child's life, and revolutionized your corporate life. Where did you actually start your career? And then how did you transition into starting eight different businesses? Because it seems that um, if you start eight different businesses, you probably have eight different stories to go with those businesses. Am I right? That is correct. I raised my two children by myself. So it was very difficult um, to continue my education. I did that on the side. I worked corporate. I worked my way up the ladder and I also started venturing into entrepreneurism. I knew that, you know, one day I was going to own my own business. Um, so I started out, uh, as I worked in the corporate world, I started out very slow as far as, um, venturing into entrepreneurism. I got into a notary public and a signing agent across the United States. And then I went and I started a, um, a financial agency to help people pay down their mortgage in half the time. So I did that as long as I worked and I had a really good job and I was systems manager and really worked my way to the top. And then I decided that I was going to start a restaurant and I didn't know anything about it. And then I knew that 90% of them fail, but, um, I wasn't afraid. I've never been afraid and I'm grateful that I did it because it was a successful restaurant and I had two more after that. Mm. 
So the financial agency, what did you see as an opportunity while you were working corporate that uh, made you realize you wanted to help people? Well, being a single mom and realizing, you know, I never had child support, I never had alimony, anything like that. So it was, it was always up to me. And I realized how important finance is and that I needed to really uh, understand that whole realm of, you know, paying things down. Um, you know, a lot of things like Dave Ramsey talks about and, mm. you know, it's all true on how you pay your credit cards down and your biggest things first and your mortgage is your, you know, it's, it's huge. So if you can start paying it down in the beginning when it's all interest, I mean, that's, you're paying interest. That's, that's a really good thing. So I, um, you know, even now in my executive and personal coaching, I have a lot of, um, right now the graduation tips is the big hot item. I've done a couple of TV interviews. And what I say is that I don't think the younger generation realizes how important the financial end is mm-hmm. and that make you or break you at a very young age. Yeah. Yes, because school just gives you basically book knowledge. But I don't think any college anywhere in the world teaches you um, how to be financially independent and how to actually manage your finances properly. Because once you leave school, chances are mom and dad are not going to be there to support you anymore. And it's up to you. And that's where a lot of graduates get into problems with um, predators that are giving them all kinds of crazy shady deals on credit cards and whatnot and just taking advantage of people that just don't know the difference. You're absolutely correct. And that's a part of what I do is to educate them. I'm, um, you know, I, I do a lot of goal setting. So I mean, I'm jumping off the, the course here, but to give you an example is of course, smart goals, but the, the R in smart is for realistic. And I have a lot of, uh, young people come in they're, they're mad at their parents. I'm going to go out on my own. I'm just going to get a job making minimum wage. But what they don't realize is they don't take into account expenses and income. And if your expenses exceed your income, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they're just looking at the picture of I'm going to go out on my own and get a job, but they have to, you know, take the whole thing into account. Yeah. And so you started the restaurant business, like you rightly said, 90% of restaurants fail, but you started a restaurant and then you started two more. So could you give us some, you know, scary stories about running a restaurant business, knowing fully well that um, one out of 10 restaurants succeed. It's a very difficult business. And and the toughest part of that industry is when somebody doesn't show up, you're working it. So I've worked every, every end of a restaurant from cleaning bathrooms to cooking, to running it, you know, from a, um, you know, the top of the line, I've done it all. And I believe that you need to be actively involved. I I felt like I had a really great handle on how the, um, you know, uh, who you buy your food from, how they play games. And I, and I have a background of a strong computer background. So I wrote my own computer program and I made a deal with one company to stay with one company, which really freed up a lot of my time, but yet I could keep um, my eye on if they were going to, you know, raise my prices and not tell me things like that. So I felt like I really had a good handle on, you know, all aspects of it. And it did work for me. I was very fortunate. Starting your life coaching and executive coaching business, what were some of the things that prepared you to go into that industry? Because now you're not working with them products or doing particular customer service as a way you're working 
with intangibles, you know, helping people become better and their results usually determine if they're going to call you back or recommend you to their friends. Well, I realized a long time ago that it's about behavioral patterns and I, and I, and I realized that I work on myself every day. I coach myself every day. So when, when we have a negative, we have to be able to turn that to a positive very quickly. So, um, you know, I, I, I understand the whole corporate end and then I understood behavioral patterns of people and I educated myself on NLP, which is neuro linguistics programming, which helps you identify behavioral patterns of people and then change them. I studied the mind, you know, the subconscious mind, the conscious mind, understanding, you know, where do our bad habits come from and then how do we change them? And I think all of those things are key into uh, personal development and, and professional. How did you, get your first clients, and then what did you do to sell them on your services? What were the problems you identified that you raised to corporate executives that said, hey, you know, we need to talk about helping you fix these problems in your organizations? Well, my very first obstacle was in actually starting the business. I come from a very small area, and a lot of people mm-hmm. said, you will make coaching go in a small area. It's a city thing, which is not true. I actually have been in business for a while and I built a wonderful facility where I do leadership training, um, team building. I have indoor outdoor meeting facilities. I do my own catering. I have a zero gravity flow tank and I do the coaching. So that just goes to show you that you don't have to, you have to believe in what you're doing and you never quit. So, you know, to take that leap of faith is very important and not to let other people's opinions sway you on your decision. So if you're going to start a business out there, just keep going. What are some of the main problems that um, organizations face? Like take, for example, I know stress is a big factor in the workplace and entrepreneurs seem to relish long hard hours, but put the same long hard hours in a corporate environment and then you have a lot of disgruntled employees, a lot of ill feelings festering throughout the entire organization. So how do, how does an organization deal with such an issue and how would you advise them to work on such a problem? Well, first of all, you have to understand what the dynamics are in the workplace, the pros and cons of, of a workplace environment. Um, what are those cons? And then you have to understand the different personalities. I teach a lot of corporate people about understanding other people's representational system. You know, are they a visual person, an auditory, a kinesthetic person? Um, you know, and then to understand balance, the, the corporate world and the personal world go hand in hand. So I do a lot of time and stress and balancing career and family obligations, which, you know, you just talked about the corporate environment, but then you go home. Mm-hmm. So to leave work at work and home and home, and you have to find that balance between the two and then throw in socialization things as well. Yeah. Well, many companies, well, a lot of people, especially from my friends, they all feel that in corporate um, work-life balance is just a buzzword that nobody actually believes happens, you know, despite the company saying, you know, we we want you to do flexibility. We want you to, spend some time away from the office and just um, unplug and disconnect. So why is it that a lot of employees feel that, yes, it's being preached, but it's not being practiced? 
That is up to the individual. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that's implemented through the company, but it's actually has to be implemented through you. So you have to take the time to take care of yourself. I totally believe in relaxation, meditation. That's why I said I put the zero gravity float uh, tank in. I believe in every way that you need to find calmness of mind, declutter your mind, get your mind free and clear, and then you are far more productive. What are some tactics that can be laid out to start managing those little um, non-productive activities that occur all through the day? It's funny you talk about that because I, I, I teach a lot of like understanding the difference between a productive activity and a non-productive activity. Um, and there are so many things you can do once you get to work is so that you can still keep dialogue with coworkers, but yet put a do not disturb sign out. Or the, the biggest and the very best is if people can get themselves in a habit of getting up early and doing things at home before your family gets up and the chaos starts at home to, um, to eliminate that stress before you start your day, do your meditation in the morning, um, check your emails before you leave work, get to work before anybody gets there, and then you you can get something accomplished before everybody else arrives. Mm-hmm. Sounds to me like you're talking about building some good habits before you actually start your work day. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. I think that things like exercise, healthy eating, meditation, those are all good things on, you know, getting your mind in a good, positive start for the day. Um, I totally believe in the law of attraction and, and that we're energy and that if you can get yourself in a positive energy flow, then your day will go a lot better. Um, so I, I believe if you just jump out of bed and you start your day in total chaos, you're, it, it's just be the snowball effect. So give, give us some tips on how to, I know you've mentioned a little bit about this, but um, I want to talk about from the top-down level when you're at work now in terms of building a culture, how to make it more, uh, would I say, friendly or would I say more um, positive environment to, for employees to work? Well, once you can get yourself into a healthy routine, it's easier for you to interact with other people. But if you're trying to interact with them and you're stressed because you can't get your things done, that creates, you know, a whole another set of issues. Mm. So, you know, um, understanding goal setting, understanding how to do a to-do list, prioritizing, being able to cross off those uh, to-do lists. Items. A lot of people will come and say, well, my to-do list just keeps growing, but that's because I didn't prioritize it. You know, ABC, what's most important? How do you start with that? Once you start, you know, ticking some of those things off, then you, you are more energetic. You're more positive because you can see that, you know, you're being productive. And so, like I said, just different things about um, your phone calls, your emails. I mean, there, there's many, many things you can do to... Um, you know, eliminate that stress. Okay. And as I was reading your book, I noticed a line that stated that small changes produce lasting results. So this this tied my mind to something I read elsewhere that says, if you try to improve 1% every day, you end up with a significant amount of change somewhere in the neighborhood of over 50% in the course of 365 days. Now, why is... um. 
making small changes every day such an exponential magnifier when it comes to um, being a better person and creating a better life for yourself? Because you just can't jump into the, the, the big picture. You just can't jump and make large changes it, because what you're presently doing, if it's not working for you, you have to take incremental steps. Mm-hmm. You have to sit back and say, okay, what am I doing wrong and how do I fix it? And you just take small baby steps. It's, it's, it's kind of like uh, how many people have called me and asked me, like, how do you declutter your home? Mm-hmm. So an example to correlate to the business world is, People can't declutter their home because they're overwhelmed because their mind is busy. They walk in and they, they start in the kitchen, then they run to the living room. Then, But if you take baby steps and you chunk things down into you know, sizes that you can handle and you say, okay, I'm going to tackle the left side of this room, get my mind clear, get my head straight, be calm, and I'm going to tackle this. You see that you've accomplished something at the end, then you can just keep going with it. But most people quit because they're overwhelmed and it's the same thing in the corporate environment. So what's an effective way to start um, creating these um, positive affirmations and auto-suggestions that will help bring out change? change the way that you're, you're speaking, you know, like if you, if you, it's amazing if you pay attention to how many people are negative. I mean, a perfect example, uh, there's 50% chance of rain today. That's all I hear. But why don't people say there's 50% chance of sunshine? Mm. So there's 50, 50 chance. Why not take the positive side of things? If you can start talking differently, like I can accomplish this, I will accomplish this. I am this, I can do this. Eliminate words like, you know, I'll try or, you know, um, don't, can't, wouldn't, shouldn't. If you start talking in a positive sense that you act as if it's already happened, you actually start after a while, start believing that you are becoming that person. And then you do become that person. Great. Great. And one more thing I noticed here. Could you elaborate on, um, Something good. Another thing I read in your book, which states that um, successful people don't live in competitive environment, but a creative one. So, what, what does what does that mean exactly? You should always be in a creative mindset and never be afraid of competition. I train people to become coaches, and one time someone said to me, "Why would you do that? You're training competition." I think competition's great. I mean, even when I was in the restaurant industry, there's restaurants everywhere. I think it's great to have a good relationship. I think um, competition is good, and I think um, if if you put yourself in a competitive mindset, it causes distress. That times are tough. You know, fear, it drives people people to fear failure, but failure is a good thing. It's just feeding feedback, letting you know how to modify your plan. So being creative assists with fearless and you're not careless. You take calculated risks, but you should never fear competition. You should be, uh, you should welcome it and you should be confident in who and what you are and your abilities and what makes you different. So if you start thinking differently, you won't be competitive. You will be creative. You stated that. A good leader combines entrepreneurial skill with emotion. Now, could you break down the essential entrepreneurial skills and emotions that sum up an effective leader? Um, An effective leader is somebody who can adapt to multiple personalities. Like, 
um, a lot of people will say the leader has to make the decision and then the team backs it or vice versa. And I, I disagree with that. I think it's a combination. I think a leader should be able to do both. Okay. Um, I think there are many different levels of leadership. I think, you know, they need to be confident. Um, they need to be able to make decisions and they need to be able to make quick decisions. So they need to rely on their intuition. Hmm. Now, how do you develop a good intuition? Because that's another thing that people face with that challenge with. Right. That is something that I've worked on for many years is learn develop my intuition. I believe we all, it's, it's just, how do you follow it? And I began yeah. learning from someone like Bob Proctor that you start small, like you start testing your intuition on small things. Um, and you learn to trust your instincts. You learn to trust that it's, it's your sixth sense and it's your fight or flight. So I rely on my intuition a lot and it has worked very well for me. Even the mistakes I've made in my life, I can honestly say that my intuitive factor told me that it was going to be a mistake, but it was that fear that made me not trust my intuition and make the wrong decision. Hmm. Yeah. And I know many of us have all been there when you actually have that voice that says, don't do this. You're going to get in trouble. And then you go ahead and do it anyway. And it turns out, (laughs) (laughs) it turns out badly. Okay. So as we start to segue in towards the final segment, I have some kind of like personal advice that I usually ask guests, you know, to dispel some words of wisdom for the listeners on the show, because a lot of people listening are early career people that are either recently transitioned out of corporate world to starting their own businesses, whether they're solopreneurs, freelancers, or just um, budding entrepreneurs and startup founders. So, um, tell us what got you excited about starting this, your business. I know you said some things about it, but what makes you jump out of bed every morning, day after day, these days? Absolutely love being an entrepreneur. It is very gratifying. I could never go back and work for someone else because it has such, uh, satisfaction. Um, you get to be so creative. You get to figure out how to be that leader, Um, and I, you know, the more you give me, the better I do. I love a challenge. And my advice is that please don't stop. If you want to start a business, don't be afraid. Fear is not real. It's something you create in your mind. You do, uh, you have resources check with your resources, check with people who've done it, successful people. Um, you know, I talk a lot about masterminding, which is very popular and, and like Tony Robbins and Jack Canfield and Bob Proctor have all talked about that, but it's like-minded people coming together in a team of harmony that if you need help with something, somebody has the answer. So the best thing you can do is just go and don't quit when the tough gets going, just keep going. Mm-hmm. I like that statement. And as an entrepreneur, uh, Who's an entrepreneur you admire and why do you admire him or her so much? I always go back to Bob Proctor because he is the one that taught me not to be afraid. I couldn't understand when he used to talk about the terror barrier and it's that fear. And if you can just bust through, it's on the other side. I used to fear it and think, well, what if I bust through and it's, it's not going to work, but that's where you have faith in yourself. It's that, you know, burn the boats. It's the Greek warriors that, you know, if you burn those boats, you have to make it or you're going to perish. 
you know, that's, that's why I put that in my book because I love that story that, you know, it's up to you. Even when I do corporate training and, you know, I have so many people that call me the very last minute and go, Ooh, I'm just scared. I don't know if I'm going to sign that contract and open that business. And I said, any, you know, of course we do, um, you know, you run your numbers. Of course, I'm saying you'd be smart about it, but when you get to the point where you're doubting yourself, you're the only one that can make that business go. Mm. You should be able to, to just say, I'm going to make it. And then don't stop until you make it. Mm, I like that. And, um, I think there's a book someone recommended to me one time by Bob Proctor. I still haven't gotten around to reading it. I think it's thinking into results or yes, yeah. it's a very good. Okay. Great. I think I'm going to put that on my reading list then for this summer. Cause I heard about that, that it's a program for leaders, people that are looking to develop themselves, but I've never really gotten to get in the book, but now I guess, well, I was going to ask you what book would you recommend, but since I've brought that one up, I'll take that. And then what other books would you recommend for people that are looking to develop their leadership skills? My very, very favorite book of all times, and I have a, a ton of books that I love, but Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich is, okay. is definitely, yep, it's my inspiration. It's his success principles. Um, I'm actually going to take all the proceeds from my books and start an orphanage because I do believe that you can take these children and you can mold them into being successful entrepreneurial adults. Mm. I teach success principles to kids and it works. It's a redirection of negativity. I believe in everything that he says in that book and you just have to learn how to apply it. Yeah, and I know that book has made a lot of millionaires than any other book in the world. I think maybe next to the Bible, if, if the statements yes. are correct. All right. I like that one. I'm going to put that in. And then, um, could you talk a little bit about a significant business failure you've experienced in the past and how you were able to overcome it? I actually have been very fortunate. I haven't had, um, I mean, of course you have your struggling times. I did. I, I, I guess if I had to choose one. It was when I decided to take up on a partner, um, in one of my businesses and it didn't work out well at all. Um, I learned so much from it so that I don't regret it. I learned, um, a lot about, um, you know, decision-making and, um, that sometimes in business is sometimes people like me who have a big heart and you just want to help people. Sometimes that can get in the way. So you always have to find balance. Um, but I've been, I've been very fortunate. Mm. But you know, this issue has come up quite a bit on this podcast where one of the mistakes people make is actually in choosing a partner to work with, especially in business. And then I think it's ranked either in life first and then business second. So um, what are some of the steps someone can take to be able to learn how to pick a better business partner? Since you've already gone through that and um, the process or the experience was not ideal for you. So what were some of the biggest lessons apart from the ones you've already stated that um, a young entrepreneur could start thinking about and working on before trying to either work with a co-founder or a partner in a venture? Well, my best advice is if you can make it on your own, that is the way to go. Mm. There are partnerships that make it for sure, but I think you need to understand what type of person and how their personality and their habits and their history 
um, how it differs from yours and how it is alike in yours. So what strengths do you both have and what weaknesses that you have so that you make sure that your strength will counter their weakness and vice versa. I think that's really, really important. And then to check with other people and do your due diligence to make sure that you are making the right decisions. And if you were to start all over again, knowing what you know now, are there anything you would do different? Is there anything you would do differently? No, I, you know, it, a lot of people who know me might say really Peggy, cause there are times where I struggled. Um, it was really difficult for me to make it to my kids sporting events and run a restaurant and do my education and hold down a job. And I mean, I, I was extremely stressed. I went through a lot of personal things that were, um, hard, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Cause I think that's what makes me who I am today. And the final question for the day is um, for people that are just coming out, you know, it's graduation happening around now and sometime last month. So for people that are just graduating and, you know, thinking about what the future holds for them in terms of starting down um, a life journey, what's the biggest advice you give? Find a mentor. Find somebody who's successful and then you can, they can be a good role model for you. You have someone and build a network of people that are successful that you can reach out to and get advice. Uh, don't take advice from family and friends. Use your resource list. And, um, you know, I hope they all venture into some sort of entrepreneurial journey because it's, it's really wonderful. And for people that want to get in touch with you and learn more um, about you, what you're doing, where can they find the book? And I know you said it's a three-part. This is the third in the series. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about the first two books and when they can, where they can find the books. They're on um, many, many online bookstores, or you can go directly to my website. Anything you need to know about me or information about my books, everything is on my website, which is lifecoachingandbeyond.com. Uh, people can reach out to me via email, phone. I always answer everyone. So if anyone has a question, um, they just want to talk about things. Um, my very first book was Revolutionize Your Life. My second book was Revolutionize Your Child's Life, which is a book for parents, preventative measures. I do a lot of um, work safeguarding children, internet issues, and there's a lot of good things in there so that you understand developmental periods of a child's life. And then, of course, my corporate book. Nice. And with that said, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, Peggy. I really appreciate you taking the time to come share some words of wisdom with the listeners out there. And I wish you plenty of success down the road. Thank you for having me. I really appreciated it. All right. Thanks, Peggy. Don't let another minute go by without taking action to change your life. Visit Ordeshi.com right now for more incredible resources. And we'll see you next time on Ordeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur.